This is the Tea About Bees. From Nashville, Tennessee, this is Tammy Cherney, along with Tatiana Tonakabani, and thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Tea About Bees, where we discuss the joys and trials of backyard beekeeping. It's Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. Hello, this is Tammy. And this is Tatiana. And thanks for joining us. We would really appreciate it if you would click the follow button. And also leave us a five-star review. It would be fantastic because this helps other beekeepers find us. Yes, we really need those because we're just starting out here and um, it helps us to get found more easily and we can help more beekeepers. So we have lots to talk about. Our weather is warming up here in Middle Tennessee and uh, bee season is starting to kick off. And we're looking like we're about four weeks ahead of <laughs> of schedule. And so now I'm kind of like in panic mode thinking, <laughs> um, yeah, four weeks ahead of schedule. And that means I'm an extra four weeks behind getting things done. But we're going to do the best we can. So Tatiana, I know that you're feeding. I know that I'm feeding. And we were talking about how to go about doing that, what the, what our options are, because I'm, I'm not a big fan of open feeding, but I how I do open feeding because, well, you can't put liquid feed on hives when the temperature at night is dropping below 50 degrees. That's right. So I do have top feeders for my hives that have, um, they're made in such a way that they have a little bit of insulation underneath them. So I could potentially get away with putting my top feeders on my hive. And I may take a look at doing that the next time we have some warm weather. Mm -hmm. But we do have several days coming up in the next few where our nighttime temperature is going to be dropping down into the upper 30s to very low 40s. So it's just something to be uh, concerned about. But once you start feeding, you really need to keep feeding um, until the flow hits. So you don't have issues with your bees um, starving because you've started building up their numbers and then they don't have anything to support those numbers. Exactly. I think um, for anybody, and I think we're all having this across the country, which is we're having change of weather, weather patterns. Yep. And so we're having like warm weather and then, okay, it goes back to normal weather. Then it goes warm weather. So, and we're having like the Pacific Northwest right now is having like snow right now, which is crazy, um, which they normally don't have at this time. So it's just kind of like, everything is really related to the bees is really like, what is nature putting out there? What is nature yep. not putting out there? And to make sure you're providing for what nature is not providing. Right. And, um, and this is a, this time of year, this is when we have, we lose a lot of bees to starvation. Of course, if we have, yes. Like right now, they're building up their numbers and then say we have a hard freeze and they don't have enough physical bodies to cover the brood and keep the brood warm. Well, then you're going to have a hive that dies from freezing that would normally That's, not freeze. Right. So it's it's a fluctuating time of year. It's a tough time of year. Um, and it's all it's all weather related. I mean, you just have to stay on top of watching what the weather's doing and knowing what to do with your bees in those conditions. Yes, I think my advice that I would give any new beekeeper um, that has gone through their first year and they're coming out of the winter, 
my advice for them is not pay attention to a date, but really attention to the weather. So when you're having warm weather, your bees are out there flying and the queen is like, oh, it's warmed up here. We're having pollen. So pollen is a stimulation for our bees. And, but more than anything else with that warm weather, they're using a lot of energy. And when they use so much energy, you have to make sure they have enough food. And usually by this time, whether they've gone through winter and they're still in a cold area, it is like you said earlier, it's a time when bees can really starve to death. So it's just a matter of like popping over the top and making sure they still have enough food supply. If you're in a cold region, it's to put the, um, the sugar cakes on mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. or uh, what's the other one um, that you cook? Forget what that's oh, called. Oh, the fondant? Fondant, yes. So one or the other, but you got to put something to make sure that they have enough if they don't. Um, so for us, because they're flying around so much, you said you're doing some community feeding. Community and, feeding, yeah. And um, to be honest with you, I this is the first year that I've ever done that because I normally, um, would not do that. That's not something that I would never do. However, I've got insulation around my hives. I have super wind coming in from all these different storms that we've got going on. And so I've got all these weights, these stepping stones on top Mm -hmm. of them. I have in the top of my hives underneath the roof, I've got burlap insulation as well. So it would be a whole process to have to go in there every day and keep, you know, back and forth looking and putting food in there. Mm -hmm. So I actually haven't popped um, them off yet, but because the bees are having this beautiful warm weather and I have six feeders that would normally go in the front of the hive because I don't believe in putting anything next to the hive. Yeah. So I have a tree separate area. I've got them lined up and that's on my Instagram. If anyone wants to go look how it's, how I'm particularly how doing you got it. your stuff out. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it, there's risk, there's risk to it, but, but for me, it it's working for me. It won't work for very long because if the weather stays warm, which it has not, but if the weather stays warm, then I'll probably get to get some ants. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to go there and that's going to stop me. You're going to be feeding that. the ants in your yard as well. Right. As <laughs> but I'm not, ha- but it's still cold, um, warm during the day off and on every few days. Right. So yeah. they're, yeah. It, they're it's just tough because, because the best way to feed and everybody knows the best way to feed is if you can feed in the hive. Absolutely. So that's the best way to feed. But if you've got your hives wrapped, like you, you have a lot of weights on your hive you know, it's impractical to go out there and put feeders on and take feeders off all the time because, oh, oh, it's going to be, um, you know, 60 degrees at night tonight and it's going to be 38 degrees at night tomorrow night. So exactly. And that's what's happening to us. Exactly like that. We have this huge fluctuation every few days. So the community feeding is a way to be able to feed your bees without having to disturb the hive so much. Um, and to deal with the fluctuating temperatures. So it's not, I don't, I don't particularly like it either because it is a way for diseases to get passed from one hive to the next, which is not ideal either. Um, but well, I already know my bees have mites right now. (laughs) (laughs) All the bees have mites right now. So, um, so 
so th that that's one of the big issues though is they're like you know if you're doing community feeding then if one hive has a disease that's carried by a mite then you know it can jump over off of a mite onto another one so i don't know there's there's well they had mites <laughs> before i even did that because i went in my inserts you know that are in the bottom screen boards uh -huh. and i pulled them out before i did any community and i saw a little bit of mite drop dead they're dead mites um i didn't see any alive but that doesn't mean anything um on each board on I have seven hives and they were all there. So this was before. So I was like, well, really doesn't matter now. Might as well. Cause otherwise I would have been making sugar cakes continuously at this time and putting them into the hive, making sure that they just had enough. But with that being said, this has just worked for me. I'm not recommending this. Um, you really need to have a little bit more experience and you, um, you have to be very careful if you have, you know, it depends on what's around you. And, um, but this is working for me and I'm okay for the moment, but yeah, yeah that's where it, I'm at. Not I'm too much longer though. I'm community feeding. It's okay for now. That's just the way it's going to be. So, yeah. And pollen is coming in by nature. I've got, tons oh yeah, I've got tons maple. of pollen coming in. Yeah. I've got maple trees just on my own property alone. I have like five or six maple trees. And then, of course, it's all over my entire area. Mm -hmm. So they're in the pollen. Of course, adding the the syrup is easier for the bees to process and use. Um, but it also stimulates them, you know, but that's pretty much what's going on when you got warm weather and you got pollen coming in. The bees are they should be they should be building up their numbers right now. Yeah, they should yeah. be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our, our flow is going to hit. Uh, we have pears blooming. We have cherries blooming. We have the nettle blooming. Um, the, the we have dead, dead nettle. nettle. And we have hen bit blooming. We have um, crocus. Yeah. Well, I don't know that. I don't know if they work crocus or not. So, um, but like all the flowering fruit trees that have a lot of those have started. We haven't apples haven't started yet. They'll be a little bit later. Well, they get nectar. I mean, not nectar. They get um, pollen. Pollen from the crocus. Uh huh. Okay. You'll see it's very orange, orange okay. on George. So, so anyway, we have, um, we have a lot of stuff that's already started. So yeah, they're getting ready. They're building up, they're getting ready. And we're March the 1st right now. If we say, I had a gentleman I spoke to today who said he went into his hive and his bees were building queen cups. So they <laughs> hadn't actually put they hadn't actually started raising queens yet, but he had, he said he had tons of drones and that's a sign like you and I that's were talking a good about sign. Yeah. Drones are a good sign. If you're seeing drones, quite a few drones, then it's probably time to inspect. Yes. Then it's safe, safe to inspect. Safe to inspect. Yeah. Because um, we were just talking about this earlier that you really don't want to do inspections um, obviously you do it when it's, the weather is not windy. It's warm on a warm day. <laughs> you don't want but, it rainy. You don't want it windy. You would really like right. it to be the middle of the day when the sun is shining and it's nice and warm and all it, the foragers are out and about. There you go. That's, that's the perfect exact. And then, um, but if you do it when there's no drones, then if you by accident roll a queen, not only will you not have a way of getting a queen cell mated, you will lose that hive more than right. likely, or you'll have a queen 
worker and you'll start another problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just basically, if you don't have drones, obviously you can't mate a new queen. So if you kill, accidentally kill a queen in your hive, then you're kind of out of luck. You're um, not going to be. Because your local breeders won't have them either. Nobody's the nobody's going to have it until the drones are um, are in the hives so that right. they have, they have drones to mate with your, um, with your virgin Queens. So, so if you're looking at your hives out in the front, you'll see them like right now, if we look, just look at our hives without even opening up the hive, we can see that they're bringing in pollen and we can see if there's drones or not. And I haven't noticed, but I will go back out there tomorrow since somebody else in the area has said that they've spotted drones within theirs. So I better go double check again. It's about time to start taking a look. And the other the other issue that we're going to be looking into when we're opening up those hives and seeing if we have drones is we're going to have to um, it's, we're going to start kind of keeping an eye out for them making queen cells. If they're making queen cells now, they could potentially have, we could potentially have swarms by the middle of March. Um, yeah, everyone is predicting that we're going to have early swarming about a month early. Yeah, yeah. So here, my first um, swarm call that I had last year was April 20th, to give you an idea. Okay. And we're looking at, you know, you're talking 16 days to raise a queen. And it's March 1st, so if they started raising one today, then we will definitely have swarm calls in the middle of March. Lord. Uh, <laughs> so for St. Patrick's Day, we will be having swarms this year. <laughs> oh, so much work. So much so, work. So it's that's what you need to be looking out for. Um, and if you're opening up your box and you see drones and you're like, okay, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to take a look and see what's going on. And you start pulling frames out to see, you know, if you've got good brood happening, make sure not, everything looks uh, good and solid, that your queen's laying well. Uh, checking for some queen cells, uh, even if they're just doing practice uh, cups, which they will do. Um, you can also see where your um, where your queen is laying brood, because if you're like like me, because I have um, I have several boxes, my expectation is that they have come up to the top. Uh, my queen is up at the top, and my brood is probably at the top. So since I do all mediums. I'm going to see, make sure that the cluster is not between two boxes. And um, I'm going to see if I can take my bottom box and take it off and move it to the top. Because my guess is they're between two boxes, especially with me running mediums. So the cluster will probably be between two boxes, probably the upper two. Mm. So I'll just try to keep those upper two together and I'll shift mm -hmm. them down and then I'll move the bottom box to the top. You're going to be in a little different situation, Tatiana. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have, um, you know, they went, they have the inch and a half insulation board around the two deep brood boxes. So the taller the hive, they don't have insulation around the outside. Uh -huh. So I have with seven hives, I've got, you know, two that are, um, or excuse me, three that have just the double deeps. And then two that have double deeps and a medium. Uh -huh. And then two that have double deeps and two double mediums. So those ones, those ones that were like with the double uh, mediums, those honey boxes, um, half of that box isn't insulated on the outside. So I would imagine the queen would have been somewhat down. Of course, 
all the top was, yeah, well, all the top was completely insulated. So we'll see what's going to happen, but you'll have to make a plan on how you want to deal with it. I'm so nervous. I mean, I'm just, cause again, this is going to be my second year with the hive coming out of winter, but it's a completely different experience for me now. Uh-huh. And it's just, I mean, I'm sure everyone in my position is nerd. We're all nervous because they're going to want to swarm. We want to catch the swarm. If you don't let them swarm, you got to keep adding a bunch of boxes. So it's a super big mega hive. Yeah. I and don't really. You, and you I'm, have to either tear out queen cells or you have to get in there and split them. Well, that's the thing because I, I mean, I personally, for my choice, I really don't want to manage a super mega hive, which I know those are great for, for honey production, you uh-huh. know, but they're also a lot. So what I've heard is that they're a lot more aggressive ish because it's a bigger hive. They've got more honey stores all makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, even with the nicest of bees, you know, just when you're keeping a larger hive, they're just more, um, protective of their, of their area. Um, you know, and I have such a mix of like all these different things. So it's just, you know, it's not really what I wanted to have seven hives, you know, <laughs> one of the things that, that Ian and I were talking about who belongs to our um, bee club, he said, you know, we need to have a meeting about how not to increase as well. <laughs> um, I know everyone is always talking about increase essentials. This is great for commercial production, but when you're a backyard beekeeper, maybe you don't, if you're good at keeping your bees and they come out, you know, all their numbers, which, you know, mine did, then I'm like, okay, I don't want to have my seven hives swarm seven times. And now I have 14 hives because I don't want 14 hives. <laughs> I was sweating bullets last year with seven hives. I was like, whoa, a lot of work. And we were in a dearth and it was every day after the honey flow and you take off all the honey boxes because I was trading for mites. You've got to feed them because you've right. now taken their food away because you don't want to contaminate it with with the mite medication, you know? And then of course, after that was over, I put it back on and then your numbers are low. So then you got to like build up that population. Again, you got to see is the environment putting out pollen for my bees to be able to raise the brood, make sure you're putting some, because certainly you're not in honey flow in in the dearth, you know, putting that. And that was a lot of work. They were just going through so much syrup every single day. I had two quart jars on there and they pretty much go through a quart and three quarters, a quart and a half a day. It's a lot. That's a lot of syrup to be, you know, putting out, but they were also, you know, getting ready for winter there. So they, I put all their honey boxes back on, but you know, they are just like, this is what they do in nature. It's like you said, like they're ready to split at this time, you know, Mm -hmm. coming up now. So now, and I I just was such a horror story for me. They just kept swarming on me, swarming and swarming and, <laughs> and swarming. now you're and now you're in like you're like oh my gosh if it happens again this year then what am I? Gonna it's just do? panic mode do? because yeah. I live in a neighborhood and like if I was out there in the wilderness and I knew they would be okay like go swarm I, that's fine yeah you know be centric be centric right yeah. but I'm not I'm in a neighborhood I don't want my neighbors like oh no they've gone into my house and. One, either the wrong people get them and then they want to have them, you know, killed. Yeah. Or two, you've created a problem for one of your neighbors. And, you know, there's not a ton of beekeepers that are out there just doing free stuff unless it's super easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be in your own yard. The easy stuff is really going to be in your own yard. 
when they're going to go hunker down somewhere, they're going to go somewhere they shouldn't go, you know, which is, could be underneath someone's crawl space or, you know, up in an eve and someone's, you know, they love, they love getting in the eaves of houses. They love Mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. So that worries me. I got tons of calls last year. That was most of the calls that I got last year. Oh, really? I'm on a swarm. I'm on a couple of um, places on the internet for swarm, for people looking for somebody to come collect swarms. And um, most of the phone calls I actually received last year were not for what we'd call a swarm, but they were for bees that had moved into somebody's home. So yeah, to be a good beekeeper, managing swarms is, is part of it. You need to get out there and um, and manage your hives to make sure that you're either catching your own swarms when they're swarming or you're splitting before they have the opportunity to swarm. Because once they start building queen cups, and they're going to, then they're, they're in that mindset that they're wanting to swarm. So some, a lot of people uh, have actually even taken and done that's that's what you're doing you're kind of creating a fake swarm when you're when you're dividing your hives right and they'll divide the hives and then they might actually keep the new queen if the hive creates a new queen and maybe kill the old queen and then merge the hives back together and that is a way of that way you're getting a new queen but you're getting a nice strong hive yeah um and you're reducing your numbers yeah, I I mean, it was really cool. Once I went through the stress of catching all of the swarms, it was cool watching them like it made all the queens get mated and mm-hmm. then having them start to build and then do really well. And, you know, I hadn't even with my first two highs. I mean, they only made like two medium honey flow boxes before they passed away, you know, yeah. two mites. And so I really hadn't even seen honey for three years of work. I haven't even seen honey <laughs> yet. And you're so, like, I put a lot of effort into this. I'd really like to see some honey this oh, year. <laughs> that is exactly right. You know, I just, um, I just wish it was easier, but I, I, I have to say this, if you have swarm traps, which I did buy, and if I position them in the right position, but I feel like like you, like we're a month early now. So now I'm like starting to stress. Oh my goodness. I have to get out there. I need to get them hung. Yeah. When he told me, when I talked to him today and he told me that he was seeing queen cups in his hives, I was like, Uh take a deep breath, take a deep breath. Yeah. I am behind. I have so much work to do because Mm -hmm. I was counting on at least a couple of extra weeks before I had to start dealing with some of these issues and it's just not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, so now I'm going to be putting out fires. I'm going to be doing what I absolutely have to do to, to kind of take care of what I need to take care of and anything extra I wanted to do. It's, it's going to kind of go by the wayside. Yeah. uh, Because it's just not, I'm not going to be able to make it happen in time. Now that doesn't mean I can't get to it a little bit later, but I'm not going to get to it in time for probably this year's swarm season. I need to, um, you have a couple of swarm traps you need to put up. I have a swarm trap that I want to get up and test this year. So I think next week uh, we're supposed to have decent weather here, decently warm weather here uh, with no rain. Cause that's the thing. When we get warm weather, we also get rain at this time of year. So, and then it gets cold. So it gets warm, we get rain, it gets cold. Well, for me in my area, Monday through Thursday is all I can see at this point. The weather is warm. It's 65, 71, 59, 53, but it's no sun. 
And then I've got like 50% of raining. I'm like, Ugh. and you know, and that's the thing, it'll change on a dime and it say, will. oh, it's going to be cloudy tomorrow. And then, oh, you've got a little <laughs> bit of sun. Um, oh, it's let's see. Tomorrow, tomorrow we're supposed to have, according to mine, we're supposed to have 76 degrees and partly sunny. So I am not going to be able to be available to check my house tomorrow. So I'm looking at maybe next week. And next Monday for us, it says 67 is a high. And well, sunny. I've got, so I've got, <laughs> that's rain my day. And, <laughs> I've got rain and clouds tomorrow. I've got thunderstorms Thursday and Friday, but it's warm and I've got no sun, but you know, <laughs> you can I go see in the garage and you can paint. I don't want to do that. I don't want to paint. <laughs> it was so awful last year sitting in that dungeon and just painting and painting for hours. I mean, I literally had to do, I don't know how many boxes, but just. <laughs> You're like, it's never going to end. It's never going to end. Yeah. What did I do? I had to do five sets of nukes. So uh -huh. I had like the nuke set up and then I had like their second story and then I added a third story to it for the syrup to be fed in there. And then I had, what did I do? Five more complete um, setups, a complete hive setup. Uh -huh. And that was just like, and of course I prime. And then I do two or three coats of paint and just getting in every nook and cranny. And I twisted my, oh, and then I, what did I do? I did something to my back. Oh, I had, you tweaked your back. Yeah. What is it called? Like when you have like a spasm of pain that never ends. It didn't end forever. So like three weeks I had to go on pain medication, <laughs> like prescription, <laughs> like muscle spasm. It wasn't like, it was just so bad. I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of bed. Wow. And it was literally because I was sitting on like a little um, stool uh -huh. and then I was twerking my body in all kinds of positions <laughs> to like get the way I wanted it to paint. And I was like, it feels actually good when your body is stretching like that, but oh no. <laughs> that night. And then I had it for, I think, like six weeks, just torture pain. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. And you're like, I don't want to do that again. Um, yeah. I saw a really cool hack on painting and it made so much sense to me. They actually, somebody actually took and they suspended a, a metal, like a metal, like a water pipe or a like almost yeah. like metal conduit or whatever. Yeah, that's what I do. And they, they suspended it between two 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 um, um ladders yeah or or i think they were using uh sawhorses or something and then they put their boxes yeah they put, you know they put it through the center and then you can turn your boxes to uh that's what i did of, yeah that was but when I was you're like, doing oh that's a really good idea yes i take two pieces of wood you know like a two by four eight, eight feet long uh -huh. and then i suspend that in the air between the two and then i hang the boxes and then i paint that's not what that's the easy part. Yeah. It's when I was doing, um, what is the thing that the, it sets on? I have to do the underside, the screen. So I have, um, okay. So one, I have the bottom screen board uh -huh. Two, I have the slotted racks. So those, okay. those have to be done a certain way. Uh -huh. And then three, I have the thing that it sets on the stands. You like you have stands. wooden stands. You have I have, stands. I have four that were wooden stands. Okay. And so those ones, you know, I sit there and I can do them partly on the thing like that, but then there's certain areas which I really need to be upside down. <laughs> so it's just better to like, I'll start on that, but it's where it, it was those pieces. Those were my nightmares, you know, were those, um, the bottom screen board and the slatted rack. 
And then even, oh, and then the roof. Yeah. And you don't paint anything inside. It's only the exterior. It's only the exterior. But you want to make sure like with um, like the bottom screen board that you paint underneath that. Because if you don't, for where I live, I have the carpenter bee. Yeah. And I need to make sure that every piece of wood that is on the exterior is painted. And then I won't have such an issue. But otherwise, they will like to, you know, they could hunker in underneath. Yep. And I also found for my area, we had talked about that. If I have a large opening, the carpenter bee actually will go into the hive and then my bees won't want to be in there. <laughs> and they'll, you know, the foragers that come back are like, what the heck? I'm like, why are they hanging out outside? That's really weird. So I had to keep the small um, hole, not just because of dearth, but also be- to keep out carpenter bees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was like you know, they're, they're such good <laughs> pollinators, but they can be such a pain. <laughs> well, I didn't do anything to them. My bees were like not having it and they would, you know, they would, they would get attack into them. A, they would attack would it, them. They would attack them. You'd see, you know, six or seven bees and they would be rolling all, all over the carpenter, you know, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you take care of business. I don't, I don't get in or I don't interfere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So if they're going where they shouldn't be going, then that's going to happen. Yeah. But anyways, one of my big things that I just wanted to make sure that everyone's doing at this time, if this is your first year coming out of winter, it's just to make sure that your, um, your bees have enough food Yeah, and that you're not putting liquid in the hive unless the nights are consistently a 50 or above consistently. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. If you're able to get into your hives and just put it there for the day, then be able to pull it out at night. Great. Great. Mine's too complicated. It's not going to work. But, <laughs> but you could, but I, last year I did, I just kept adding sugar cakes to yeah. mine, but yeah. it was a different environment last year. Totally different vibe. Yep. You know, it was literally cold. Like the bees weren't really flying around like they are here. It's just weird. Like all of a sudden, like, what did we have like 75 today? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was incredibly warm. Yeah, it was hot. It was actually hot. It was hot. I actually had in the sun, I would sit on my deck and I have like a, a weather thing, you know, tells temp. Uh It was 92 in the sun. (laughs) 92. 92 in the sun. I could not take it. I said, I'm not walking my dogs out here. (laughs) Nope. We will go. I'm I'm used to being cold and now all of a sudden it's hot. (laughs) No, I'm happier with hot. I I need the sun. I melt in the clouds. <laughs> Give me some sunshine. Yes. Well, I, I will probably be making, I'm making sugar syrup pretty much every single day right now and putting mm. sugar syrup out every single day. And uh, just guess because you have eyes. 10 hives, right? Um, no, I am currently sitting. Oh, you're at, at eight. 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 I'm currently yes. sitting at eight. Right. Yeah. And I do. I so probably next Monday, I'll probably kind of at least pop the tops of my hives and some of them I'll probably like really get into and some of them I won't I need to see if I can get my swarm trap up and uh, hopefully I'll be ahead of that enough and then I need to paint I need to paint boxes I need to paint boxes I need to do repair boxes and paint boxes because guess what our um our nectar flow is is fixing a hit and uh, we need to be prepared for that so <laughs> get your frames assembled and I just want <laughs> my life would be so much easier and so much less stressful if our weather could just decide what it wanted to be because then I could strip off everything like I normally do once the weather is warm like it's like this I would normally be just stripping everything off yeah 
And then it's everything is easy access for me just to get in there and do a quickie, this, that, or the other to do a double check. But we literally go from like this hot weather to then like, oh, now it's like we had 22, 22 mile per hour winds yesterday. Yeah. It was like a 24 hour. It was like a 12 or 24 hours, something like that. But it was crazy wind, crazy wind here again. Did you you have crazy wind? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, I about got knocked over by a car door (laughs) because of the wind. I was like, okay. Um, But I mean, this is the first of March. We just came out of February and normally we like our last frost date is usually mid April, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I keep a diary for everything be related, especially, you know, when things start like on this day, I did this and this day. This. So we should have, um, we should have some more cold temperatures, but we always do. We always do. It's going to get, we're going to have at least one, you know, more cold, one or two more cold spells. Didn't we have a snow sometime this last year around this time. We had one more snow. I, think. I believe we did. I don't think we're going to get that this year. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, think, I don't. I, feel, think, I don't. I don't know that. that we're getting. I don't know that we're getting snow, but we we should at least get some more. Um, we're. I mean, we're not out of our frost date. No, by any stretch. No, no so, then we have tornado season. We have tornado season. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, for new beekeepers right now, though, I'd say the biggest thing you need to pay attention to is making sure you're keeping your bees fed. For yeah. here, especially yeah. since we've been so warm, right. Um, feeding to make sure that they're not they haven't burned through all their food resources right how i've been so warm is probably the most important thing until the flow starts right and it it is just around the corner and i did want to add one more thing Uh um i heard someone say on a podcast you know that they don't uh want to have to feed their bees that they feel that the bees should be able to have gotten whatever they got in nature. And if they can't get what they get in nature, then the bees aren't good. But my take on that is it is not about the bees. It's about what nature is providing. And I feel because of all these weather changes that we're going through that our nature isn't providing what normally it would provide. So what I mean by that is, for example, this year, this summer, we had an extreme long dearth. Right. And the weather wasn't providing pollen for the bees to be able to, you know, feed their babies. And we here didn't get but a few days of honey flow, a couple of days. So nature did not provide, had nothing to do with the quality of the bees. Nature didn't provide for them. Right. And so if your area, depending on where you live, and again, it depends what resources you have around you. If you have a ton of resources and it's out there, that's a different story. But most of us are having climate change and we're and most of us are not having usual weather that is creating problems for food supply for the bees. So if your bees are not able to pull as much that they could sustain themselves for the whole winter. And again, right now, this is when bees are becoming active and then they're clustering again, they're becoming active. So they're going through a lot of honey stores. If they had them, this is when the bees could starve. So if you don't want to feed your bees, your bees will most likely die. And you've worked so hard all year, all last year, all winter long, making sure your bees got through and they got through. And then it would be so sad just to like have them die over something that nature didn't provide. You know, and you talking about that reminded me, um, I sat in 
one of the clubs that I'm a member of, we had uh, Kent Williams come and speak and talking about our temperatures fluctuating as severely as they do, which we do have fluctuations in temperature this time of year. That's just one of the things that happens. We'll have some warm and some cold, and it's just a little earlier this year than it normally would be. Um, but he was saying, he goes, so you have warm days and you have bees that go out and start flying. So you've got bees in the hive that are moving around. So when the bees come back in, they have, they've moved inside the hive and then it gets cold. Well, they're going to cluster wherever they've moved to. Mm. Well, when they move, they may not be close to food when it gets cold. You're right. So, and I think this is like one of the hives I just lost. I went in and I had a mm. cluster in the center of the hive and there was food on top, but they were away. They weren't up close to it. And I think it got cold enough, long enough that they couldn't get to the food and they starved. Even though I had a full thing of sugar on top of my hive, my bees starved in the hive because they got so cold that they couldn't get to it. Well, that's another support reason why <laughs> I like the syrup because yeah. the syrup that they're pulling right now, because it is warm and they can get out and do it. They're going through it so fast every single day. I'm filling up six pints mm -hmm. or not pints. What is it? Quarts. Six quarts. quarts almost um, a day. Um, they can store that like they would store honey or nectar, shall I say, actually, they yeah. would, like they would store nectar. And they usually will store that around the brood, right? Yeah. Where sugar, it's up there at the top. Yeah. So if I kept putting in cakes, sugar cakes to keep them so they wouldn't starve and that like you said, just happened. Yeah, They were moving around and then they clustered. It got, all of a sudden it got cold. If they're pulling it from, from the community feeder, they're not just putting it up at the top. They're putting it around the brood. Then if they have enough around the brood, they'll put it on top. Yeah. So it was, I had not thought of it that way, that the fact that mm. we have warm weather means that that means that the cluster is moving around inside that hive mm -hmm. and it could cause additional issues. So, yep. and that's one of the reasons a lot of people will also that condensing your hives down in the fall to just as small a container as you can get them in is, is one of the reasons is because if you're putting feed on there, it, it forces the cluster into a smaller space. They have less space to have to heat Yep, and it pushes them. They, when they cluster, the chances are they're going to be closer to the food source that way. So I understand that concept. I don't always practice it, but I do understand it. And, <laughs> and there's a good reason for it. There's an absolutely right. a good logical reason for doing it that way. Yeah. Well, I like Kent Williams. He is very educational. You learn so much every time you listen to him speak. He has that field day, which... I would love to I, attend that. I would love to go. I would, I would love to go one day too, so badly, because you just learn so much from him. Really incredible. And, you know, what did they say? The J-hook, what is what is the tool that is after that is from him? The hive um, tool? It it's is, called the, is it called the, the Kent Williams tool? What is it called? It is that tool with, it is the tool with a J-hook kind of thing on it, but it's uh, yeah. the one with the narrower hook on it. So Yeah. So he was the one who, if you like look on any of the beekeeping sites here in the United States, he was the one who he, he did it himself. It. Yeah. He developed it. Yeah. And then Manly copied it. They were like, we need to have this. And now he was like, shoot, I should have had it, you know. <laughs> I should have got money some for of that. Them, some of them name it after him or whatever that he's known for it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, you can, you can sit with him for five minutes and learn something. Um, so he, yeah, is, he, he, he is, is a right. wealth of information. He is absolutely a wealth of information. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. So that was, I had not thought of it that way. And when he said that, it just kind of clicked in my brain and I was like, Mm. oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Yes. So So anyways, I think that at the end this month, right now, I'm just feeding them syrup. That's it. I haven't, I have to go look tomorrow now that you've mentioned that there is drones. (laughs) I got to go see if there's drones. If there's drones, I got to get into the hot. I will then feel more comfortable to pull apart the hive and Uh kind of do a little investigating there. You know, normally I don't like to have, I like to have a queen excluder. So I keep her down that way. I'm not worried because I'm still feeling like I'm not the best queen spotter. (laughs) So with that being said, I can go through the medium boxes pretty quickly because I'm not worried about getting her. But then when I get into the deeps, I'm real slow and very careful. And, you know, I just don't want to have like, oops, (laughs) knowing that you've killed her, you know? So I'm just very, very careful. And and I like having a queen excluder in there, but I would never do it at this time, you know, Uh put a queen excluder in. So I guess kind of what's happening again with me having, you know, insulation, I don't have to worry about so much rotation or whatever. I kind of found like last year, they also will go down by themselves down to the bottom. They just kind of like did it on their own. They can, they can do that. It'll be interesting to see what like seven hives do. Do they all do? Is it just a few hives? (laughs) What will they do? But again, having insulation around the hives, they can pretty much do what they want. I would imagine they're not so inclined to be up at the top because up at the top, it'll have less. It'll be a little bit cooler, actually, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. So I have to get those. I have to get. It'll be interesting to see what you find once you get out out there and start looking. Well, I would have liked to get the brood minders because those you put in and you could see the temperature that's inside the hive. Mm -hmm. If you don't insulate, you can also get one of those. um, You can hit a heat gun on the hive, I think on the exterior, and you can kind of get a reading. Get a reading of the temperature. And then there's those those cameras, those infrared cameras too that show you where the cluster is and all that kind of stuff without having to be in the hive. But the brood minder is kind of cool because you kind of get to see what is inside the hive, but now they've doubled in price. So now I'm like, eh, not going to have, I'm not, I'm too cheap. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm already, maybe, all my maybe later down the road. Well, you're going to have a really, really expensive um, um, jar of honey. If your first jar of honey. <laughs> oh my God. It's at least a few thousand dollars worth on one jar of honey. <laughs> you're going to bottle that one first jar of honey and you're going to put it on yourself and go, this was my first jar. Like people save their first dollar when they open a business. And yeah. you're going to say, this is my first jar of liquid gold. I mean, well, absolutely. I got- it is a jar of liquid gold. I and did. I'm not touching it. And 20 years later, I'll look at it and go, that was my uh, first yeah. jar of honey. <laughs> well, I did get one jar only because when I had to reduce the hives to put the mite uh, medication in, uh-huh. I, like I said, I took off the honey supers. Uh-huh. And so I would take the honey frames and put them into my hive butler. And, the, you know, I'd brush off the bees before putting it in there. But honey would drip at the bottom. Uh-huh. And I had to do this with seven hives. Uh-huh. So I managed to get like three quarters of, of a cup. Okay. And I saved it and I photographed it. And I swear it was the best honey I've ever tasted in my entire <laughs> life, better than anything I could ever buy. I said, this you can never buy. It just tastes so floral. <laughs> I was like, I really just think it's the best. Now, I don't know if that's just in my head because they're my bees and I think it just <laughs> tastes so good. But um, it was very floral. And I always have tasted more botanical 
uh-huh. or herbaceously uh-huh. honey, but this was more flowery. Uh-huh. So I don't know if it's just because when you live in a suburban area, all your neighbors have different kinds of plants. Where do you think your, um, your main honey source is? Is it the maple? No, no, because maple. Oh, is, yours is locust. Isn't yours locust? A lot of the honey that I get is pretty heavy black locust. Now, the here in Middle Tennessee, our biggest producer of nectar is supposed to be from the um, the state tree, the tulip poplar tree. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they're not so much in my neighbors' homes, but we have a lot of like the marina. Uh-huh. Has tons of tulip poplar, poplar there. Yeah, they'll work the heck out of tulip poplar. Okay, and of course they work white clover in spring. Oh, I love the white clover. And well, that's probably what I have a lot of. So you may, you may, you'll probably have, you'll probably have tulip poplar and white clover. Yep. And then we have native cherry. If you've got a lot of native cherry around, they're probably working some native I have no cherry. Idea. So hopefully you'll actually get honey this year. You'll, you'll get some honey this year. It'll be my so. first time. I mean, I'm sure I'll get honey unless they all swarm and leave me nothing. And, <laughs> and then you're going to be like, I'm so frustrated. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I have to just say, I'm so nervous. I am so nervous. It's going to go wrong. And I just remember waking up every morning and looking outside and going, okay, you got to go out there. And as soon as I go out there, boom, there were swarming. Uh-huh. So that just gives me like a full on panic attack, you know, you're like, no, 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 you can't, you got to go back home. And I would put my, my, you know, bee thing on, but I was like, I would walk slow because I was like, okay, you don't want to stress yourself out. But I was just like, I had this routine down hive butler and then my ladder Uh and then going out there and then like, and then it's like all the equipment that you have to have all of it arranged. Yeah. It's like, well, then I don't want the bees to be all upset because they're in the hive butler for a minute. And then I got to get the box and get the, where's the box. That's the most stressful thing is I have no more places left to put bees. Yeah. Like I can't put them next to the hub above to the hubba bubba vibes hives. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I cannot put them next to the big bubba hives because those are more aggressive and you know, who knows, you want to get your breeding area in a separate area. So, so does I'll... your does your neighbor have any place you can put a couple of hives? <laughs> oh, that's true. I could put them over there next door. To... Well, I was just going to put them like where I don't want them, which is yeah. down by the lake, you know, yeah. which is in my view, you yeah. know, I would put them down there. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I could have it down there by the lake. Um, and how that it's just very stressful when you just start getting like overwhelmed with too many yeah. bees. Yeah, it's going to be I, I think you have to kind of say this is my limit. And then we'll start figuring out how you want to deal with your extra hives. Well, I kind of have a backup. Yeah, I mean, that's in my mind. I've said I want no more than what I have. Absolutely no more. And before I went into winter, I was like, okay, I don't want whatever Nate, I will do my best to care for these bees. That is my job. And so with doing my very best, what happens is what happens. And lo and behold, every single one came out. So I was like, okay, good for me. Good for my bees. Now what are you going to do? They're going to double on you. So the backup is I will, I have nukes for them, you know, to put them into. Uh-huh, to get then, them started. Yeah. And then I will quickly call my bee club, you know, let them know, okay, I've got, I've got, if there's anybody looking, you know, these are nice bees. Yeah, because I do. I mean, that's the one thing I can say. I have really sweet bees, good genetics, you know, how they started now they're mutts, you know, but so we'll see. But so far, I mean, I like having my, my hives right in front of my front door over here. They're not 
at the front door, but you can see them from my front door, from my front porch, from my dining room. And it's just so nice. And I can walk back and forth all the time and I've never be going to bother me. Yeah. You know, and same thing with, we've got it down there by the garage and the beach just do their thing. They don't have any, you know, so I do find that a very good quality, you know, yeah. but I also want to make sure that I maintain that temperament yeah. and that's not having too many hives. But, you know, they say that the big Bubba hives are the ones that are going to be more, I haven't had experience with that yet. We'll say that. Did, and that I may think. go hand in hand with, um, so they traditionally say to, rep- well, traditionally when you go through beekeeping training, education, they'll say you need to replace your queen like every two years. And part of that is they say as the queen gets older, you tend to end up with more aggressive hives. Oh, really? Um, So it kind of goes hand in hand with you saying, you know, these large hives, large hives are typically older, more established hives. Mm. So it makes sense that if like what you're hearing is a bigger hive, it actually means typically an older queen um, is running that hive. So uh, maybe, maybe not, because you could have a big hive that splits and then the old queen goes and you you have a new queen. Well, that I've heard too. I've heard unless you're marking your queens, which I have not marked my queens, and but unless you're marking your queens, they will often, it was Frederick Dunn that actually discovered this. He said initially, I think he initially started marking and then he stopped marking for a while and then he went back to marking again, just so he could see if there were changes. Uh-huh. And he found there was a lot of his hives were changing their queens. Yeah. Changing out their queens. Yeah. So um, I just don't know how to, I've seen all the videos on how to do it, on how to mark, and I have all the tools for it. You just, I'm just I haven't done it either. I haven't, I haven't bothered doing it either. I very rarely get in there and actually look for my queen. I usually do it maybe in the spring once, and then I'm not really in there looking for my queen most of the rest of the year. Well, I find that it's too difficult because once you have too many, once you have a large population of bees, it is really hard to see uh, the queen because there's, she's usually covered up by the other bees because you're, yeah. you're, so the best time to see, like I can see it in the fall. I can see a queen in the fall when just before I close them up for winter, because it's a smaller population. And then the same thing for in the early spring. Yeah. But now the, my, they're de- I mean, I have every, every day I have orientation flights going on in my hives. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I know those numbers are building and it's been, I think <laughs> about a month now. So I think I'm going to look in there and I'm going to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you were talking about them marking Queens and seeing what's going on with Queens. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of hives are uh, replacing their Queens without you even realizing they're replacing their Queens. Exactly. And part of the problem with that is there's a lot of discussion going on about quality of queens. Right. And there, there, and there's a lot of commercial beekeepers that are replacing their queens at least once a year and sometimes twice. Right. Um, and they're like, what's going on? And there's so the everybody's been like, you know, the queens just aren't as good as they used to be. Well, it's kind of come down to the discussion of that the drones we may be dealing with issues with sterile drones due to oh. pesticides and all yes. of these other things that we could actually be having a problem with the drones becoming sterile. So even though the queens are mating with uh, numerous drones, that they're not getting well mated because even though they are trying to mate, the drones they're mating with may be sterile. I think you posted an article on our Facebook group. I may have. Um, about that. Yeah. 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 I think so, I read that article. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, you know, we have so many challenges and I have to say between 
pesticides and varroa mites, we are, we are fighting an uphill battle. That's the thing that I noticed in early spring. I noticed that I have had each year I've had pesticide poisoning Uh and it's because people will put something on their flowers Uh to protect their flowers from the deer. And they think, and they think it's safe that it's not going to kill the deer, Uh but it will just detour them. But in fact, it actually does have a detrimental effect, detrimental effect on the bees. Uh Now I have been so fortunate that my neighbor finally, after me posting on next door that I, and I didn't point any fingers. I can figure it was probably her, uh-huh. but um, she finally went to an organic farmer that she was somehow friends with. And they told her what she could use that would not affect the bees that she could spray that on. And I think it was like a soap, a soap mixture or something like that. Maybe. I think soap and vinegar. Wasn't that it? dish soap and vinegar? Dawn. I think it was Dawn. Dawn dish soap. Uh-huh. And vinegar. That'll that kill she- stuff. The vinegar and the Dawn dish soap kill stuff. So right. that, that'll kill things if she's trying to kill stuff yeah so whatever she used this formula and I don't know I didn't have another issue so she came to me she goes I we saw your thing on next door and we are now going to change what we're doing I was like so thankful because the year before I asked her that's the other thing I mean it's hard it's hard when you're in a rural community raising bees because if you have farmers who are mass spraying things it's it's tough. It's hard when you're in the suburbs and you have so many individual people yeah, who right. are like having their having their yards treated because they don't want dandelions in the yard, which we love dandelions and we love I clover. love dandelions. And so um well the bees love them too. <laughs> right. So but but people, Well, I love them for my bees. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Um but but people don't want them in their pretty you know, grass desert, (laughs) their pollinator desert. They don't want flowers in their pollinator desert. (laughs) Well, here's what was really great news. When I posted, I posted a a photograph of the tongue sticking out of the amount of killed bees that had, that they had foraged. They got back to the hive, but then they all died outside the hive. Uh And I posted these photographs And I said, please don't put pesticides on your grass, on your flowers. The bees thinking it's a safe place for them to come and get food and then they're killed. So one good thing, though, that comes out of Nextdoor, when you have so many different individuals, like you said, where all these different people, how do you get to get the word out? But a lot of people in your neighborhood do look at Nextdoor. The app next door. Yep. It's a good resource for us. Yes. So what I did is I posted the photographs. Um, I didn't say who my suspicions were. Of course not. I just said, you know, somebody in the neighborhood in my area, you know, had put pesticides on their flowers and maybe on the clover, something like this. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, please don't do that. This is what happens. It kills. And it's very sad to work so hard and to keep your bees as healthy as can be and then have them come home and just die in front of you. I said it was horrible. And I had over 300 and it went all summer long, Mm -hmm. um, this thread. And I had about 380 people, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that just, there was all these comments and all of it was supportive Uh into not putting pesticides out there, knowing that people in my area all have, you know, not all many are growing their own food 
you know, in their backyard, little yeah. gardens, just, yeah. you know, whatever. Cause ever since COVID happened, everyone started growing their own little food, you know? And so you've got people, you know, with their herbs and tomatoes or whatever, and they all need bees to pollinate their, their food. And so everyone was like all kind of grouping together saying, you know, we don't care about the grass looking perfect. We care more about, you know, having food to be able to grow in our backyard and have yeah. food, you know, at the grocery store, et cetera. Yeah, it was really, it was really positive. So there's a build, there's a building awareness. Yes. And people are cluing in and it's, it's good to see that kind of support out there, you know, against pesticides and for doing things that are more environmentally friendly. Yeah. So we'll just keep talking about it and hopefully people will start really understanding the impact that these things are having on us. Yes. Yeah. So I just recommend if, if this spring you have any pesticide issues, you know, contact your local authorities, your, your state apiarist. There is a pesticide number that you can pull off and call. There's a specific, if you have what you think is a pesticide kill. Right. Um, that you can call directly. Right. I mean, obviously, we still have people that will go to call the mosquito companies and have them come out there and spray. And this is what we don't want. It, it not only affects the, you know, the bees, it affects the butterflies. I'm not saying this to my other beekeepers. We all know this, but I'm just letting you all know that you've got resources. Mm -hmm. So if you're a beekeeper, know that you have resources that can help you. But one of the best things that you can do is educate your neighbors and you know, let people know if you feel comfortable with that, that you've got, you know, bees and you're going to be supporting, you know, maybe some of your local people want to buy some honey from you, mm -hmm. um, you know, following the laws, the local laws. <laughs> um, people are so excited that they see bees here in my front yard. They stop by and like, are you selling honey? I'm like, no, not yet. Oh, I've had, I've had people just drive in my driveway. They see I have bees behind my house and they're like, yeah. do you have honey? <laughs> 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 and I'm like, I do sometimes sell honey. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. All right, dear. Well, anyway, so again, feed your bees should they need the food. Feed you know, your bees. Check on them. Swarm season starting, start prepping. Start prepping, getting out your swarm traps. That's really a great thing to do. Putting it in a tree that's in front of the opening, near the front of the opening, yeah. somewhere near there, because that's where they're kind of going to go. Get your swarm traps, your swarm commander, your lemongrass, whatever you want to do. Somebody said, take some lemongrass, put it on a Q-tip, put it in a Ziploc bag, poke it with a hole yep. and it will kind of, it or, won't cotton, dry. or like a cotton swab or cotton swab. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So those are things that you can do and maybe put an old couple of frames in there with some new ones and that'll make it easier. So that's what I'm planning on doing. We'll see how I do. I'm kind of doing the same thing. I may take some pictures mm. if I can get it set up. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if we have any success at that. That's right. Otherwise, thanks for joining us. Happy beekeeping, everyone. And you guys have a good spring. <laughs> Happy beekeeping. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you come back and spend time with us again. 